Episode 27 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Tag You're It Etsy shop. From Outlander-inspired necklaces and rings to custom designs for birthdays or any occasion, each piece is created by Dawn, one letter at a time, and is one of a kind. Please take the time to visit Dawn at www.tagyourit.biz. That's B-I-Z. Tell her Mary and Blake sent you, and use the coupon code OUTLANDERCAST15 for 15% off your purchase. As always, tag your mama, tag your pet tag you're it whatever it is people disappear all the time most are found eventually disappearances after all have explanations usually Cast with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everyone and welcome to Outlander Cast. I'm your host Mary Larson. My name's Blake and I'm ready baby. Let's go. Oh let's go. Let's get it done. You are very ready. It's finale time baby. Oh so exciting and yet so sad but true. We're ready for the finale. I'm, I'm like I'm pumped. I'm jacked. It's it like woo. we're coming out with this episode like a couple of days beforehand. I can't get any more it's, excited. It's big time, big time excitement slash a little bit sentimental. You know, it is. It's bittersweet. It, bittersweet is the right word. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's. You know, you see that it's coming to an end. But luckily, we've had the Outlander marathon all mm-hmm. this past weekend, and. We can always watch it. There's always more things to come. So yep. those of us who are book readers, we can keep our eyes peeled for new casting announcements. And those of you like Blake who haven't read the books, you can just continue to love the <laughs> land that Ronald Moore has created for you. I'm just interested. I can't wait to see what happens. How they get out of this. How they get out of these issues. How they. How. Like again, my own niche theory of the week: Jamie and Claire escape. I want to know how they escape. And how do they get out of the control, out of the clutches of Black Jack Randall? How does that happen? What's what, what's going on? Do, do they go anywhere? Do, there do, may do... be cows involved. That's all I can say. <laughs> Some, That's all no, 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 I can the, say. Coos. Coos. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one good attempt at a Scottish accent. That's all I'll go with. So before we get into this episode, of course, we broke up this week's episode about Wentworth Prison into two episodes because the listener feedback was so awesome. It was immense. And yeah, everyone just wanted to talk about Wentworth Prison and rightly so. We talked about Wentworth Prison for a very long time Two ourselves. hours. near Just nearly two hours. And thank you for listening to that marathon of an episode. Yeah, so this episode is really dedicated to you guys and your thoughts so it's not just what Blake and I thought but before we get into the listener feedback we have some announcements that we wanted to let you know about bunch of announcements here first of all we have partnered with tag your it to create our own exclusive jewelry line 
Jewelry line. Can you imagine that? No. So if you go to tagyourit.biz, that's B-I-Z, you will be able to see the Outlander cast exclusive stuff. Things like Sassanok wasted tags, even even a Sassanok wasted like wine glass charm. That is very exciting. And that is something that I need because... You're going to be drinking a lot of wine after this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And then we also got some things like like I like it Scott or I'm with the Scott. Some real, like the J. Amy Train, you're a wizard, Harry. I mean, it's it's some really cool stuff. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> yeah, we got so that. Thank you to Dawn for creating this. And those of you who are fans of Outlander, you're definitely going to want to check out Dawn's wonderful creations. And then another thing we got too is that I have written in ebook and what my darling is an ebook an ebook is a book that you can read either online through a website like through a computer or if you have a kindle or an ipad or an iphone or any kind of smart device you actually can read this book or you can download it and print it out if you want to have it in your hand if you want to smell the if paper you and the smell ink smell the paper and say oh my god these are blake larson's words <laughs> i must and cherish I them. them yeah <laughs> really i would just keep it on my smart de- i'd probably burn it and i'm not oh gonna gosh. <laughs> <laughs> tells you what, what, I, what i'm worth what did you write an ebook about i wrote an ebook uh about how to get your man to watch outlander or, or your friends but 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 specifically how to get your man to watch Outlander? It, it's a short book. It's 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 not that long, but it's tips from a guy who enjoys Outlander to get your to get the man in your life to watch it with you. And and how do you do that? And, and I, I I can't believe how many people have come to me and said, "God, Blake, I wish I could get my husband or my boyfriend or somebody someone in my friend group to watch Outlander with me." <laughs> they ask me what it's about, and I literally. I'm so overwhelmed that I don't even know what to say because it's such a it's an in-depth story. It's it's just so many um, things involved with it that you can't break it down to. Oh, it's a love story. Correct. It's not just a love story. We've said that many times before. Well, that is very exciting. Where will they be able to find this? Right now, you'll be able to find it on OutlanderCast.com. If it isn't available by the time you hear this recording, it will probably be up within the next week or so, uh, depending uh, on uh, publishing and all that other crap. But it is it is going to be up. It will be up there on OutlanderCast.com, and it'll probably also be up on Amazon.com, too. So you'll be able to find it there. My love, we also have some more Interesting announcements. What's the next one we got? We are going to be talking to Anna Forrester again. Hey, now. So excited. We absolutely adored our interview with her for the first half of the season. And she's going to be coming back on to talk about the most recent episodes that we've been able to see and will go, will be able to see. Correct. Because she directed them. Yeah. And, and we love her. And everybody else loves her. Yes. Hopefully so. she gives us another good bit of uh, information. Oh, like, she most certainly. I mean, uh, I, it may not be funny because the, the things that she's had to tackle oh, yeah. in these episodes are going to be intense and difficult. But yeah, any anything that we can get from her is like a gem. It yeah. just lets you see it from a whole different angle. And I really can't stress to you, the listener, how much of a gem Anna Forster is for Outlander. Really. I mean, this woman is exceptionally talented and she's moving on to these big time movie projects like Underworld and and uh, Source Code. And she's even in, in consideration for some Marvel movies like Captain Marvel that's coming out like years from now. She's in consideration right now to be directing for that. 
girlfriend has a full plate and keeps adding to it, and it's all awesome stuff. So we are really, really fortunate that we're going to be able to have her. And we got one last bit of information for you guys. In addition to Anna Forster, we are also having the writer of Wentworth Prison and To Ransom a Man's Soul, Ira Stephen Bear. Now, this guy is legit, too. He is really legit. I mean, on DS9, on Star Trek TNG, showrunner for Alphas. This guy is a real writing heavyweight. And we are going to have the opportunity to interview him about both episodes because he contributed to both. Well, he was the main writer for Wentworth Prison. And uh, oddly enough, do you know he was also the main writer? He got the writing credit for The Garrison Commander. Oh, and who loved that episode? So this is a little bit of a fanboy <laughs> thing going on right yes. here. Like it's a slight nerdgasm that I'm going to be speaking to this gentleman because both of my favorite episodes he wrote. So if I pass out like in mid-interview, just do whatever you can to revive me. I'll just yeah, I'll just fan you. And if I squeal like a little girl, listeners, please do not judge me. I promise I'm going to be as professional as possible. It's it's probably going to leak out. Well, the first one we start off is actually an email from Karen. She says, Tobias's performance is showier in scene stealing, but consider Sam and Jamie's character. Sam has to play the victim who is being destroyed to his very core. This big, strong, strapping warrior. Everyone says he's big, strong, and strapping. Is he really that like big, strong, and strapping? Um, in the books and in real life, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I wish I was strapping. Am I strapping? You're you're really cute. <laughs> you are not Sam Human. Human. <laughs> I love you. You know, thank God I love you. <laughs> really, thank I, God I love you. You are you are my handsome stud muffin. <laughs> muffin. Keyword muffin. <laughs> I.e. muffin top. Listen, I've got watermelon top going on right now. I would easily take a muffin top over this. <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This big strong, strong. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, all right, Blake, be professional. All right. Uh, the, the big, strong, strapping warrior without any control. How do you play this? Sam absolutely nailed it. His hollow-eyed emptiness showing that his soul had retreated to the deepest part of his being in order to protect itself. The single tear running down his cheek. The performance is quiet, and I would argue harder to portray. Tobias as the villain has more to actually do and can chew up the scenery. Tobias, Katrina, and Sam were all amazing, and Sam really needs to call up his former drama teacher who told him he couldn't act and ask him if he has any authority to teach anymore. Couldn't agree more, that single tear. Ooh. <laughs> Insatiate hopes that I expected the tears, but I never actually trembled throughout any other single hour of television the way I did last night. Bravo. Did you tremble? Like, did you, like, physically, like... The- you're just trembling because you're pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> also on Instagram, Nan C. Curtin said, I don't think we have seen the worst. It's from Claire's point of view. So we will see the worst in flashbacks, as Jamie tells her. Now, you see, I think it'd be disingenuous to have flashbacks uh, of Jamie telling this to Claire. Don't you think? Because they, they, they went all in with Wentworth Prison. They went all in. And the show isn't just necessarily Claire's point of view anymore. It isn't, it's also... 
Jamie's. I mean, Matt Roberts in, in our interview with him made that point back in uh, back in the reckoning. That's why they had the reckoning from Jamie's voice. He was the he was the voiceover guy. So what, what do you think? Do you think it'd be disingenuous to have it just be flashbacks or do you think it'd be better to see it straight on? I don't know. I'm dreading it all. <laughs> all right. You want to hear the first voicemail? Yes. Hi, this is Marie from Texas. You guys wanted to know what people thought about Jamie's tear. Well, it, it goes back to where he had told Randall no the first time because, you know, of his dad. And now he has to go back on that. But, you know, he does it. He can, you know, save Claire. It's a hard-fought tear. You brought up a great point about Jamie's dad and wondering what he's going through, thinking about his dad. I mean, really, because he did make that, that internal promise to his dad that he would not let Blackjack Randall handle him in that kind of way. So here he is kind of um, letting go of that in that disappointment. And I have really hadn't thought about it in that way uh, since the um, since the episode aired. Hi, it's Shakita. Um, Tobias Menzies is absolutely terrifying. I mean, I am in awe of all Val and, like, it's disgusting. It's pure genius, though. I mean, for Jamie to be in that situation and BJR establishing his utter obsession and licking Jamie's back, it, it was gross and torturous and monstrous. Uh, I think I'm going to have nightmares. Uh, keep up the good work. It was gross. It was scary. Ew, ew, ew. I agree. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Hi, Mary. Hi, Blake. This is um, um, at Alma and Pam, part of uh, San Diego Outlanders in San Diego, California. I love the dirty red coat uniforms and their authenticity. I just watched Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, and I also watched Turn, you know, Washington Size on AMC. And on both of those shows, their uniforms look like they just came out of the dry cleaners. It's crazy. So it really makes Outlanders stand out as a unique and top-quality production that it is that they take such care, even on the dirt on the uniforms, and make them look authentic. But as smart as Claire is, Getting the keys, finding an escape door, etc. That woman drives me crazy. She still underestimates her limitations. She really should have brought Myrtle with her to the cell. If he would have been with Claire, they would have had a much better chance of getting Jamie out. As it is, if she doesn't feel some guilt for putting Jamie in the position where he had to surrender, well, I would be very surprised. Also, when BJR starts blaming Jamie for the fact that he has to hurt him, oh my goodness, the abuser always blames the victim for the abuse that they are being made to suffer. And this shows that BJR is no different. The finale is coming. And with that experiencing of the rest of Jamie's torture, I have got to admit, I'll be glad when this part is over and the healing can begin. Thank you for your podcast. I really enjoy it. And get back with the baby. Thanks for bringing a really small detail that I probably wouldn't have noticed, or anybody really would have noticed, about the 
uniforms being dirty and, and dingy and grimy. It kind of reminds me of like Alien and um, you know Blade Runner, where the future is just kind of used. But you know, in other shows, the future is kind of perfect and pristine. Uh, the same thing in other movies. The British always seem so pristine, but they seem so real in this show, and it's a really uh, a breath of fresh air. Now, this idea of Claire coming with Murtaugh down to these cells, this is also something that I had not considered. Why the hell didn't she bring Murtaugh? Like, there, there was no reasoning. Well, her reasoning was, God forbid, if they did get stopped by somebody, if she was by herself, she could at least say, oh, my male servant got in a fight upstairs. But I agree. Murtaugh could have just hid by the door. She could have gone in, gotten Jamie. Who knows? Murtaugh is really smart and strong. And he could have just said, hi, BJR, stab. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cutting throats <Yes>. again. <laughs> so I agree with you. I get very frustrated with Claire as well. I mean, what are we doing, right? Come on now. She's trying to save the day by herself. Oh, my God. All right. Tasia Hooper asks us, Blake, since you did read the books... What are your thoughts about what could possibly be contained in all of those volumes? And for the both of us, you and I, my darling, has reading or watching stirred your interest in historical events during the late 1700s, darling? Well, first books. Wait, Blake. Okay. Uh, what do I think is in the volumes, or the mass volumes of these books? Now, my feeling in all of this, and I've been, I've been going through this every, almost every episode, there is no chance in hell that Claire does not go back to Frank. There's no way. Yeah, you can write novel after novel after novel. I'm, I'm sure that it's possible of Claire in, and Jamie in Scotland. And I know that she has made her choice uh, just recently in The Devil's Mark, you know, on your feet, soldier. But there's there has to be something that pushes her back to Frank. There has to. And because of that, I think it's going to be going back and forth between the 40s and the 1700s. I mean, not consistently, but I think at least there's going to be one there's going there's going to be one jump to the 40s and then a jump back to the 1700s. That's the way that I feel about it. Now, here's a really here's a really cool other thing. If she does jump back to the 1700s, when in the 1700s does she jump back to because i'm also positive that just because she leaves on friday doesn't mean that she's getting back on friday i bet she comes back like 10 years from that friday and now she's got to now they got to figure out what the hell happened she's got to rebuild the relationships where did she go how does she explain that all that stuff that that's all possible and i think that's what probably fills the volumes that more like the billions and billions of volumes of of these of these books <laughs> billions and billions billions and in regards to the question about are we more interested in historical events the answer is yes blake doesn't shut up about telling me historical events <laughs> that happened in the late 1700s I, I shut up um very free, very infrequently. Oh, my God. There's <laughs> no, that it, bus again. But it's great because I do love learning about it. And, of course, I learned a lot from reading the books. Um, but I I live with a historic historic nerd. so <laughs> A history major. That's what that's I am. A, yeah. I, I majored in modern history and I minored in ancient history. <laughs> so this is all I hear about anyway. A totally useful major and minor, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Useful in the fact that he can talk about it all the time to his wife. I know, and sound wicked smart to you guys. 
We got an email from Caroline asking, Blake, your comments about Claire slitting BJR's throat. If you think about it in the context of the show, BJR is Frank's ancestor. Mm-hmm. So what would happen if BJR doesn't conceive his son because of her killing him at Fort William? Dun, dun, dun. It wasn't in the same key. <laughs> now, now, I know that is the Atlantis theory of the week, but I thought it that it applied. Caroline. Great thought. Great idea. And would Frank be around? Now, again, this gets back into the idea that did Claire always go back in time? Did she always apparently slit BJR's throat? I guess it just it depends on what you feel about time and how it's measured and the way that the time travel works in the Outlander universe. But aside from all of that, we have not been privy to the idea that BJR already hasn't had an ancestor, that he doesn't already have a kid, that he either, one, hasn't just made the listener privy to, like made made it aware of. Well, Frank knew his ancestor's birth date. So we I think we know that like BJR hasn't had a kid yet because Frank would have said, oh, and my ancestor would have been born in such and such year, his son. Mm-hmm. And Claire would have remembered that. See, I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember that uh, in, it being said in the show. I, it wasn't. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. In the show, there hasn't been um, any reference to a date that, at least. Okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, I will eat. I will eat my hat. But there hasn't been a date that's been referenced for someone's uh, ancestor. And how do we not yet know that he already has had a child? Maybe he has a family on the sign that we have not been made aware of quite yet. Or maybe he has a son that he doesn't know about. I'm sure that he's probably got her done with a couple of girls here and there every once in a while. Just because he has a son doesn't mean that he's wed or that he knows about it. So, again, is is it likely that after all these encounters with women that he has a child? Yeah, I'm sure that it probably is likely. And they can trace it back to Blackjack Randall. Again, I keep going back to this idea that Blackjack Randall isn't capable of having any intimacy. He's not capable of maintaining a relationship at all. I mean, let's just be honest about that. And he's not capable of of really being with a woman unless we all know this, that she's in either pain or he's torturing her of some manner. And I don't really foresee him all of a sudden saying, hey, guys, you know what? One day... I think I need to breed and I think I need to have a kid and I need to uh, really fall in love with a woman and sail on down the road and be happy together. I just don't see that happening. So with that said, there's no way he would. Yeah, logically, I have to parse it out. There's no way he would know that he has a kid. There's no way because unless unless some woman came up to him and and told him, but she'd probably die. He'd probably kill her. I I mean, it, it's 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 a, it's a giant mess, and I I think that there's no way he knows that he has a kid. So, uh, yeah, I see it being totally ignorant of it. Judith Willette Nedro, you like that? That was French. I got that. I nailed that. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Hey now, she asks: Once season one is finished, will I Blake be reading the original Outlander? Now I cannot stress this enough. I will not be reading Outlander. This is probably like the most tweeted or asked question of Blake every <laughs> single week. People are like, Blake, we're so frustrated with you. You have no idea. Just read the book, will you? Are you going to read the book? No, no, I will not read the book. And I, I will not read the book because 
the show has to speak for itself. The show has to. And even after you've seen the whole entire season one, that's the main question. Even after you've seen all of season one, are you still not going to read? A hundred percent. Because this, to me, again, is Ron Moore's story. And yes, I know Diana Gabaldon herself, bless yourself, right now, she has written these books. But we all know that we have to separate the television show from the book. And because of that, I am watching the story that has been told to me by Ron Moore, not necessarily just Diana Gabaldon. Now, let's just say for the sake of argument that the that the show uh, sputters out and uh, it only has two or three seasons. Will I read the books afterwards? Yes, I will. Unless unless they unless they find a way to tell their own story and conclude it within two or three seasons, um, I'd probably watch the show and then go from the beginning of Outlander all the way till however many billions of volumes are left. Let's say in a dream world, Stars makes all of the books come a TV show. Yep. Will you then read the books after everything is said and done? Um, if we're still podcasting, are we still going to be podcasting? I hope we're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We uh, yeah. If we're around. if yeah. we're still podcasting, um, no, I won't. If we stop podcasting, yes, I will. Oh. Yes, I will. Well, that I don't like that at all. Why not? Uh, just because I want a podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> and then Judith also asked how hard it is to not tell Blake what will happen and how close I've slipped. It's hard, but really understanding that Blake has no idea what's going on. It just makes me laugh a lot. So I just kind of push the mic away and stare at the wall. <laughs> and it, 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 I'm happy he's not reading the books because it forces me to think outside of my book reading box mm-hmm. to see the episode and say, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting or I don't even know what just happened because that didn't happen in the book or I pictured things really differently. But because I'm here with Blake, it really forces me to say – these are different actors and actresses. They are not exactly how I pictured things. That's okay. Let me interpret it and love it for that. So it's not too hard. Sometimes it's hard, especially with his outlandish theories that are crazy. Especially if I get it right, by the way. Um, what was that one that you had really, really wrong? Oh, that Black Jack Randall's kid was little Jamie. Oh, come on. <laughs> I loved that one. That was one of my favorites. That was a good one. On Instagram, Mary Tab said the performances blew me away, and if Tobias Menzies doesn't get some award recognition for his performance as BJR, there is no justice in Hollywood. Strangely enough, the psychological torture was harder to watch than the physical torture, even though that might change once we find out what happens in that cell. Yes, I found that the psychological torture was far more interesting than just hammering a nail into uh, Jamie's hand. SC Mom Doc said one of the best acted episodes thus far. I was almost relieved at the end because the shocking scene was much less awful than I anticipated from the book. The truly horrific part would have been a stretch, even for stars. But I'm glad the choice was made to focus on the emotional, not the physical aspect. Or maybe you're just saving that for the finale. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, why not save the best and most gruesome stuff for the finale, right? And go with a bang. Hi, hello, Mary and Blake. This is Belinda, a faithful listener to your podcast, uh, calling from Harlem. For me, it was a four out of five kilt rating. It was definitely a compelling and dark episode, which I knew going in as a book reader it was going to be. So it definitely lived up to what I expected. Um, I definitely think Sam deserves the Emmy on the single teardrop alone. 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Civil War movie Glory, but Denzel Washington won an Oscar award for almost like the same type of scene where he was about to be whipped and beaten for something he didn't do. And he stoically looks into the camera and has one teardrop fall during this compelling scene. And it was that scene that won him an Oscar. So if you've never seen that movie, check it out. And that's exactly what I thought when I saw Sam's one teardrop fall during uh, when he was about to be sort of raped and tortured by BJR. How could I ever forget about Glory? My darling, I love that movie, and that's a Massachusetts movie too. It's a Fifty Fourth Regiment. Girl. I never saw it. You know, you've never seen Glory. Nope. And I live with you. Stop. We own that movie. We own a thousand movies. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know, my movie collection is 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 literally out of control. I probably have at least three hundred to four hundred DVDs. Was Denzel Washington's tear really that powerful? It really was. Wow. I mean, he. It's like take Jamie getting whipped in the back. Denzel Washington not saying anything, just a tear coming down his cheek, and he and she's right. He single handedly won the Oscar off of that tear. Oh man! Like and, and he was it was a best supporting actor, and, and and that's what made him like out of control famous. Awesome! What a great movie. Love that movie. All right, let's do the next one. Hey guys, it's Aubrey calling from California, and I'm going to do my best to go through this quickly. Um, this episode, I, I thought it was great. Um, I would give it four and a half kilts, maybe five, um, just because I thought it was executed so well, how Blackjack rides in and it's Jamie's hero in a sense by saving him from his execution. You felt relieved and also so much dread by it, um, because of the intense history between them. I thought that the acting in this episode was absolutely incredible. Um, I can't go without mentioning Tobias Menzies and how incredibly amazing he is. He was so sick and sadistic and calculated and violating, and the intensity between Jamie and him was just so palpable. It was it was incredible. Um, and Sam Hewen, I thought he was great with his cold calculation and how resilient he was. Um, I was internally screaming for Jamie to fight back, and I loved every time that he would stand his ground. Yet at the same time, you just wanted all to stop, and I just was so heartbroken that it just it wouldn't. Um, also, I loved how when Jamie would face Blackjack head, uh, head on, he would be so intense and strong and serious. But whenever he turned his back, you saw his wheel start turning um, of trying to find a way to get out and also showing just how afraid and angry he really is. Um, I thought there was a vulnerability in those moments. It just reminds the audience that while Jamie comes off all strong and great and whatever, he, he really is only in his early 20s. I think that the guy writing his document before he was about to be um, hanged said it's 21. Um, and I think that that just innocence and fear played so clearly on Sam's face in those moments. Uh, and Blake, I know that you tend to be Team Frank, but... If I was Claire, there was there's like no way in hell that I think that I could look at Frank the same. I don't think I could do it in this situation. And I was wondering if your thoughts toward Frank, or more so on wanting Claire to be with Frank, maybe um, would change at all as you see more and more of this intense, sadistic nature of Blackjack. Um, even though they're different people, and Frank's not to blame for Blackjack's behavior, um, is there still a part of you just knowing Blackjack is his ancestor that would maybe cause you to start looking at Frank differently? Um, it also made me wonder if Jamie or Claire had succeeded in one of their many attempts to kill Blackjack, 
would Frank even exist? Um, I know that goes more into the time travel specifics, but I don't know. I thought it was just an interesting thing to think about, maybe get your thoughts on. Um, anyways, I can't wait to hear your thoughts, and I can't believe, one, that we have to wait two weeks, um, and two, this season finale. So, um, anyways, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to listening. All right, bye. Okay, first, the idea of Sam or uh, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, yes, uh, Jamie being 21, yeah, that's right. And we, we had noticed that, as a matter of fact. We actually had uh, stopped and paused multiple times, as a matter of fact, on that little document to see if there was anything of real significance uh, in the document. Uh, and the one thing was what you actually brought out, which was he was 21. And to think that he has that kind of composure to withstand Black Jack Randall and look at him so strongly yet to turn around and show his kind of weakness when his back is to him. Really, really compelling stuff. And the fact that he was able to pull it off while he's so young uh, is very interesting. And as a matter of fact, about uh, Frank and uh, Blackjack Randall, I yes, I am widespread Frank, Team Frank. Uh, but will I be able to look at Frank the same now that I've seen Wentworth Prison uh, and coming on to what is to ransom a man's soul? Um... Yes, I would be able to look at him the same because while there is a bit of Black Jack Randall within Frank, Frank is a different person. So it's hard to combine them, yet it is hard to separate them. But I do think that Frank has a love of Claire that um, far surpasses or supersedes or whatever, supersedes his DNA and surpasses anything that Blackjack Randall has uh, for anybody. Uh, and because of that, because Frank is capable of that kind of love, I can look at him a little bit differently. Hello, Mary and Blake. Um, hopefully it's congratulations on your new baby. Hope you're doing well, Mary. And Blake, you got to take care of her. <laughs> uh, this is Sarah calling from La Crescenta, California. I don't think I have any nails left from all the nail biting I did watching that episode because it was so suspenseful. I, I don't know. It's just it almost seems that every time Claire shows up, Jamie ends up giving up more of himself for her. So it was it was so well done. I just I really enjoyed it. If that's kind of a strange thing to see and say. But anyways, um I really am scared for the last episode because I think there's just going to be so much pain, and I had to stop the uh, watching it a couple times just because to see Jamie in that much pain was just so hurtful because we loved him so much. Anyways, um, can't wait till the next and last episode. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. Gosh, Jamie loves Claire so much. You're right. Not only can he believe her with this outrageous story about time travel, but he does. He gives up a little piece of himself and big pieces of himself, as we are now seeing. <laughs> and a hand. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> a whole hand just gone. Melanie Camp Longridge on Facebook asks, Mary, are you as mad as I am that the show completely cut the whole Claire battles the wolf after leaving BJR? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 Battles whoa, a wolf. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Time out. Oh, you silly non-book reader. I, I, I am issuing the first calm down. 
of of this episode. Well, our voicemail leaver Belinda actually talked about this point too about how okay, so Claire was really badass in the book. She killed a guard while she was in Wentworth prison. Okay, I can get behind that. And then after she's thrown in the pile of dead people and uh-huh. has to cross the field, she battles a wolf and <laughs> kills it. <laughs> she kills a wolf. And the, who is know, she? Liam Neeson? Yes. No, she's not. Yes, she is. She you know, kills a wolf. Love makes you do incredible, crazy things. Oh, I, you know, my God. it was actually so well written, and I enjoyed reading it because you actually could believe that Claire could kill oh, a wolf. No, I can't. And Claire cannot kill a wolf. Well, that is why I don't think it was put in the show. And Thank a lot of people, God, said, it wasn't put in the show. <laughs> a lot of people sent me the emoji of a wolf, or like a dog <laughs> face. They're like, Mary. Wolf, question mark. Because obviously they didn't want to ruin anything for Blake. So that's why they had the wolves howling then. Yes. I think that was a little Easter egg for all of us book readers because we did hear the wolves howl and I got so excited and I turned to Blake and I went, Blake, did you just hear that? Those are wolves. Because I thought (laughs) that the wolves were still going to come because, but I was nervous. I, you know, I'm happy that they cut it because I really think it would have come off shoddy. It would have come off like Twilight. It would have totally come off like Twilight when the wolves were talking to each other. You know, it would just, the CGI, how do you have Claire battle this wolf? How do you honestly make it believable? It's something that we can treasure as book readers, but it would have been a monstrosity to even try to figure out how to put it on screen. And then it probably would have just come off comedic. It's like Bloodsport. Jean-Claude Van Damme wrapping glass around his hands, fighting a wolf. And you know, it's Claire. Thank God they didn't put that in there. And I'll tell you why. Because one of my other favorite shows on this planet, 24, made the same exact mistake. They had Kim Bauer against a cougar. And, like, nothing else came of it. It was just a cougar was right there next to Kim Bauer. And it was like, oh, my God, she's in the mountains. It's a cougar. But it that would have been so stupid. And I, I love the idea of Claire going to extreme lengths for Jamie to, to find out who she is. And maybe, yes, killing. I'd kill a wolf for you. Oh Well, no, I'm, I'm not doubting the fact that you would kill a wolf for me. As a matter of fact, I think we should try that one no, day to pr- prove no. it, you know? No, thanks. Put up or shut up, right? Won't end well. Um, no, but uh, get, killing um, in cold blood, really, uh, um, like if she snuck up on uh, a British sol- soldier, that would be cool. That's something that she has to choose. And that's where the search failed so remarkably because – she was given this line of love will make you do these crazy things and she never does anything. They never make good on it within the search. As bad as the search was, if Claire did something that was morally ambiguous, it would have been worth it. But she never did, right? So that's the reason why, thank God, they didn't put a freaking wolf in there. I would have died. Melissa Hermes, or Missy Hermes says, I know many fans are looking for a motivation for Black Jack Randall's sadistic behavior, are wondering if anyone has explored the idea that he was abused himself. Mm. As a child by the tutor he mentions in The Garrison Commander, or maybe an English boarding school where hazing, bullying, and physical punishment like canning was common, mm. or maybe in the military... Canning. Canning? Canning. Oh, yeah, canning. Not canning. Well, I, was, I was just trying to picture. They're not out like, there selling I'm like, what cans. would this can be? <laughs> like, do you go, go in a can? Do they, like, hit throw cans at you? They're not I out there, know. like, asking for money. Canning. Support the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Maybe it was in the military, Missy writes, as a private. I don't have a lot of knowledge about sexual abuse, but it seems like I read that many abusers were once abused themselves. This- and 
that is a very, very interesting question that you bring up, Missy. And Blake and I actually talked about this a lot because mm-hmm. we said, you know, what kind of a villain is he? And we agree that something must have happened to him. Uh, we talk a lot about how he relates. We relate him a lot to Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. um, as an intelligent but really disgusting man. And Hannibal Lecter in that series spoiler alert uh saw his sister get eaten (laughs) that's true and that's why he ends up being all screwed up and eats people so when we were talking about different types of villains and different types of uh, really sadistic characters the ones that have like dexter yeah yeah, and dexter they've the ones that have really seemed a lot like the same nature as bjr have gone through something themselves so we're in the same wavelength. I, I'd like to see if they actually explore this in some form or fashion. And it, it'd be kind of hard within the the structure or the narrative of Outlander to give you a Black Jack Randall flashback. But maybe it would be good to have him... A Black Jack Randall back? <laughs> a BJRB? It, it, it'd be good to have him maybe like in his, I don't know, in his deepest, darkest moments. Maybe like in the Garrison Commander, had they explored that a little bit when he is trying to explore his own character with Claire, uh, maybe fess up to something a little bit. I think that would be an excellent way to introduce this idea. Let's get some more voicemails. Hi, my name is Linda Boulay. I live in the western part of Massachusetts. This episode was really all about Jamie, who he was, is, and will become, and what he means to other people. I thought Sam dominated the entire episode, giving Jamie to us 100%. As an actor, Sam clearly is skilled at emoting the unspoken in expressive ways, something that has been very effective in creating stunning visual moments with other characters throughout the series. In Wentworth, Jamie's unspoken moments are so powerful that they inhabit the background of the next scene until we get back to him. Moving back and forth between his seemingly hopeless plight and the efforts of those trying to save him built the tension even more. The viewers always being flung into the next moment. And I love that. Murtaugh in the closing scene gave us the hope we all needed for the finale. You brought up this idea of the episode being about jamie and ultimately you're right i think you saying that i really focused on on blackjack randall and you know what i'm proud of that i should have i think we should have as a collective podcast and a a viewership because while he is a main character in this episode and he was absolutely excellent Tobias Menzies as Black Jack Randall. This episode ultimately was about Jamie because it talks and deals with what happens to Jamie. Now, as a show watcher, do I know that Jamie is, do I, am I supposed to know that Jamie lives? No, I'm not supposed to know that, but I'm, we're all practical and we know that there's going to be a season two and we've seen pictures of Sam and Kat in season two. So we know that Jamie is going to live somehow with that in mind. How is Jamie going to deal with this emasculation? How is he going to deal with, in his words, the buggering? How is he going to deal with the last moments of his life, potentially, 
and go forward knowing that he is supposed to interact with all of his buddies, interact with Column, interact with Dougal, and most importantly, interact with Claire. How are we supposed to, how is he supposed to do that? And while, yes, I loved Sam in this, I, I, I disagree with you, Linda, that, that I, I still feel like while it is about Jamie, this episode was most brilliantly acted by Tobias Menzies. I think to get to that dark place, to get to that place that I know, I think all of us as humans have where we all feel like we're so, um, some of us can be really evil. Like there's a, there's that little bit of, of that in all of us. I think to actually get there and to actually mine that and see it, uh, and, 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 and enliven it from you, uh, is is huge, and I think that takes a lot, a lot of effort. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Rachel. I'm calling from New Mexico. This is my first time calling in. I give this episode five kilts. It was outstanding. It was the most intense hour of television I've ever watched. I was watching at times through my fingers, biting on my pillow, um, on the edge of my seat, cringing, literally my skin crawling at times, um, crying certain times. I think all three of our main um, characters, Blackjack, um, Claire, and Sam, um, Jamie, played by Tobias, Katrina, and Sam, um, the actors just knocked it out of the park. They were outstanding, fabulous. Um, I was happy for the little bit of comic relief that we got from Rupert and Angus. I thought the beginning of that scene was a little insensitive, but then by the end, I was happy for it. Um, I thought this was... Maybe not the best episode of the season. I think The Wedding is still my favorite, but this was by far outstanding episode. I'm glad we have a two-week break for the next one, and um, I'm really excited for you guys. I think your baby's going to be here any day now, Mary. Um, hang in there. I know you're probably miserable at this point, so best wishes to you guys. Good luck with everything, and thanks for your podcast. I'm a big fan, you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. I hope the baby comes soon, too. I'm sitting here bouncing on a ball. My (laughs) goodness. On a yoga ball. (laughs) Rachel, I agree. This was so, so intense. I was nervous and just dreading every single moment, but enjoyed it because it was so intense and it was a captivating episode. Yeah, Rachel, as always, like we say to all of our first callers or listeners, welcome to the family. All right, let's get to one more and let's see what we got. I hope you're well. It's Teddy Potter. I'm calling unexpectedly. Uh, I'm listening to your Wentworth podcast and just um, not even halfway through. And Blake, I so agree with you about what a waste of time the song and dance routines were from the search. And now after seeing Wentworth, and it was so awesome, and knowing there's only one hour left, to ransom a man's soul in one hour. I am so, so agreeing with you about how time could have been better used in the search episode. Um, one song, one dance, carry on, and move the story forward would have been adequate, and now I'm really pissed off. Maybe as much as you are, if not more, because I know what still has to happen. Anyways, thanks so much for your show. Good luck with baby. Thanks, Teddy, and thank you for agreeing with me about the search. It could have been done a lot better. Now, I've also thought about this, too. Do they take Wentworth, some of it, and put it in the search? 
right? Do they do they make it um, part of that to give it a little bit more oomph? Do they do they make it so that there's a little bit more drama there? And my ultimate answer is no, they don't do that. You you give Wentworth its own episode or its own arc. You don't stick it in the middle of another episode, right? You don't stick it in the middle of Claire's search. What I do think is, Teddy, you're right. You could have used that time better knowing that this was coming. And if you if you had made Claire actually act upon that moral ambiguity, it would have been a much, much, much more cohesive and useful episode. Because ultimately in the search, nothing happened. They went from Jamie being captured to being freed to being captured again. Literally, it didn't make any sense. It just stayed where it was. And and you saw Claire sing sing a song. That's what happened. Get out, <laughs> sweetheart. Please tell me, how immensely annoying is that? It's, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> I mean, really? It's just, it's it's asinine. Like, I'm still laughing about it, thinking about it. All right, you know, let's get one more voicemail in here, and uh, and then uh, and then we'll move on. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Deborah, and I listened to your podcast, and I was a little surprised that you focused so much on uh, BJR, on Tobias, while I think that he's a wonderful actor, I think at times it went a little over the top. And I think the real star and standout of the episode was Sam Ewan. I've never so, been so moved by a performance. The scene at the end when the tear rolls down his face, he said so much with very little dialogue, just using his body and his facial expressions, and it totally did me in. And I think sometimes it's easy to go for the over-the-top performance rather than the subtle performance of Sam. I think in this episode, Kat, Sam, Tobias were all phenomenal, but I think the true star this time was Sam. And uh, I just wanted to give you my impressions, and I wish you would just focus a little bit more on his performance. Thank you. Thank you so much for actually bringing that to my attention. Could we have focused a little bit more on that performance? Yes, I think we probably could have, although it is hard to do that. Uh, And I'm not making an excuse for myself or my darling wife sitting right across the way from me here. But because he was so reactive as opposed to proactive like BJR, um, it's hard to – discuss and analyze that i think what we did was at least for me i was just captivated by tobias menzies performance uh and as much as i love sam's i thought i was i was just blown away by tobias menzies uh and and again to get to that point to get to that level of depravity and that just ugliness i mean it, it just it, it it bewilders me uh, to to even think about that, but and it's funny that you're saying this because I, I'm always the one that says I wish the show would take its time more. I wish they would do things where there isn't always dialogue, there isn't always just things in your face. And you're right, to, uh, Sam's performance it was subtle. Um, and his eyes did all the emoting for him. It kind of reminds me of uh, 
oh, what's the name of that show with the, with the, the model? America's top model, next top model, whatever it is. When she's like, oh, smile with your eyes. You're smizing. Now, of course, he's not smiling with his eyes, but he's still emoting with his eyes. Uh, Tyra Banks is her name. She's, he's still emoting in this, this single tear and everything. It's vulnerability that I personally did not think that Sam Hewen was capable of doing. But he did an excellent, excellent job. And I'm sorry that we let you down about not speaking about that performance enough. But, I, I, again, I'll, I'll make do here. I will, I will admit fault, and I will say that Sam's performance is due more praise than probably what I gave him originally. All right, my love, I think we have some more questions to get to. What do we got? On Twitter, Meow Hoarder said, My man thinks the cows are going no, to storm. No, it's Meow Herder. <laughs> Not Meow Hoarder. Meow Herder. <laughs> says that her man thinks the cows are going to storm the prison. Free Jamie and Claire is going to take them back to the future. Ooh. Um, we're going back. Back to the future. What do you think, Blake? Yeah, I'll tell you what I think. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. We don't need cows. <laughs> Coos. Let's get that right now. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, the cows are definitely going to play a part in it. I, I don't know. Really, I, this, this is beyond me, how the cows... Are they just going to send all the cows in the prison? Well, the main thing is, do you think Claire is going to take Jamie back to the future? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to take him back. Oh, wow. You see, I don't even think he's capable of going back to the future. Meow herder wants to know. Uh, no, I don't think he's capable because they always talk about women going through the the, the rocks. Mm. You know what I mean? That that those stories. Now maybe maybe I could be wrong. Maybe again, uh, if I'm wrong, correct me. And I know I will be corrected, so I can eat my hat. But I don't remember there ever being a reference of a man going through the rocks. And in the, in the, even if they did go through the rocks together, what is to say that they'd get there at the same time or the same place? Right? Is it like? Is it like? Um, I think it's like a port key. From, uh, I was just going to say, what, what was that thing? You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, it's a port key. <laughs> Does the port key actually um, you know, get you to the same place always all the time? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. The unless, port key does. No, unless you're holding it. But if yeah. you let go, you're, you're just somewhere else. You're flying around. You know what I mean? So maybe, maybe Jamie's flying around somewhere. Oof. I don't know. Kendra Spring wants to know what our literary film backgrounds are or if we just are intuitive fans of the medium blake i'll let you go first i have absolutely zero literally in film background zero other than the fact that i just love movies and tv i i mean so by by your words i'm just an intuitive fan of the medium oh so sweet so i'm a tv and book nerd i'm tv and movie nerd and i am a book nerd just because i like to read but i also have worked in the local movie industry here in rhode island so yeah i i kind of work along she's kind of a big deal actually <laughs> and i and i'm in the television industry here so <laughs> i'm used to uh camera people that's, that's what i do at rosh etc asks us did we ever find out what blake got mary for her birthday i hope it was good mary my love what did I get you for your birthday? Blake got me an Apple Watch. Hey now, what did I tell you? I'm dropping the mic right now. 
I'm pretty excited. It hasn't come in yet, though. It, it's not coming in until July because Apple, for some reason, just can't make enough product to sell. I don't understand why. And this is like pretty much how Blake rolls with my presents now. No, that's not and true. Christmas, Christmas was so like this. Blake. Christmas was not my fault. <laughs> Christmas was not my fault. Blake orders things, and then he'll like on the day that I'm supposed to get the present, he'll be like, so. It's not here. And he like runs to CVS and gets me candy so Chris, he can open something. Chris was, Christmas was not my fault because I couldn't help the fact that the person that took my order didn't send it out in time. No, it's just precious because he buys me all this like CVS, as seen on TV, aisle stuff. <laughs> you love that stuff. I, I really am addicted That's to that That's why I buy aisle. it. And then he buys me lots of candy. And then there'll always be a caveat of, um, just so you know, it's coming. So the same thing happened with my birthday. It was like a CVS bag filled with goodies. Yeah, but I knew this one was indeed this one my was, fault. Like, I yeah. knew, but but I wanted to get it for you. Because, it's really cool. I'm really excited. Yeah, the Apple the Apple Watch is really cool, dude. I Some can't pumps. wait to get That's it. That's what I got. So thank you, everybody, and I, I hope get. I, I hope yeah, <laughs> thank you. I hope you appreciate the fact that I took the time in in the effort to think about the Apple Watch. All right, my love. Let's get to the last batch of voicemails. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey guys, it's Sandra. I, I just want to make a quick phone call because I was re-listening to the podcast, and um, just, a, just a quick note, the Dumbledore inmate guy um, didn't say that Jamie was too good to hang. He actually said he's downstairs where the prisoners for whom hanging is too good for are kept. So that's why Claire has that oh shit face, because uh, basically he's like, he's down there probably getting his ass handed to him at this moment, so you better hurry, lady. So anyway, um, if you rewatch that part, um, you'll 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 catch that uh, change in syntax there. So anyway, just just wanted to let you guys know that um, I I've heard from other people who who heard it the same way as you guys did, but yeah, it is uh, definitely um, hanging is stupid for changing, not the other way around. Bye bye, Kendra. This one is for you right here. You're a wizard, Harry. Because she mentioned Dumbledore. So I just wanted to throw that in there. And secondly, yes, you are right. We had misspoke about what that what that gentleman said. So thank you very much for pointing that out to us. Hey, Mary and Blake. It's Linda in Ohio. And I just had an observation. You know, um, a lot has been said about the violence in this week's episode and the masochism and blackjack and all of that. And, and I totally get all that. What struck me was a little character beat in Claire. Um, if you think back to when she was trying to escape at the gathering and she tripped over Jamie in the stable and he quickly pointed out that her plan was pretty useless. She didn't think it through and she didn't <laughs> think about all the different options and she was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't think of it. And now when she's going through Wentworth and she's looking for Jamie, she's using her wit, she's thinking things through, she's plotting, the fact that she – opened the door, saw that it led outside, and had enough presence of mind to remove the lock and throw it in the grass, thinking, okay, this is going to come in handy later. That really struck me as a development of she's learning how to live in the 1700s and really has adapted to her situation. So love the podcast. I wish the baby was here, but apparently she's not yet, but hopefully she'll come soon. Thank you, guys. Bye. Yes, I love this. I love the fact that she had the forethought to open the door. I mean, like, she probably did it out of a mistake at first, thinking, oh, this may be where Jamie is. But then she realized it was outside, and she had the forethought to say, yes, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this either, one, in a little bit, or two, if I come back later on, I'm going to have to get in this way to get Jamie. 
and 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 maybe it didn't pay off in this particular episode but what it's doing is that it's building itself to the to maybe the final um the final crescendo of of the, of the season and in fact I guarantee you that door comes into play with all the coups. When the coups come through, I guarantee you that all of them are going through that door just to like get Jamie. So let's get to the last and final voicemail, my love. Hey, Mary and Blake. This is Carol from Massachusetts. I'm getting it in right under the wire. It's almost 630. Um, first of all, Mary, gosh, I can't believe you still haven't had that baby. You must be going crazy. So actually, I'm thinking about you all the time, wondering, has she gotten into labor yet? Um, more than I am about Outlander. Um, but wanted to say really quickly, I loved the show this week. Well, it was really hard to watch, really hard for me to watch. But it just had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, I thought the acting was phenomenal. Um, and I have never been so riveted before by TV. And I knew the story. So, you know, knowing the story and being riveted and just couldn't, you know, I had to peek through my fingers sometimes. I, I just thought that was amazing. I know some folks were upset about the wolf scene. Um, you know, I actually, that was actually not one of my favorite parts in the book, but um, I'm just not quite sure how they would have done that without it looking like fantastical, because I kind of thought in the book it was fantastical. Um, you know, the whole, you know, it, it, I think it took away from, I think that scene, for me anyway, in the book, took away from, you know, the, could this really happen, although the whole thing is a fantasy anyway. But anyway, I just don't know how they could pull it off without it, you know, kind of looking over the top. Um, I'm really going to have a hard time with um, the final episode um, for a couple reasons. One, it's going to be the final episode, and I know it'll be a long time before it's back on again, and I know the first half of it is going to be equally difficult to watch, but I think there'll be a reward in the second half of, of that. Anyway, I love you guys. I'm going to miss you guys on the break. I feel like, you know, you're my Outlander family. I don't really have any friends that watch the show so it's so great to listen to you guys thank you for everything you do i look forward to your upcoming interviews whatever they may be and um good luck mary i can't wait to hear when that bouncing baby girl um arrives thanks bye you know what i got for you carol that's my girl massachusetts girls massachusetts people representing Love everything you had to say. Most importantly, about the wolf. It would have been so ridiculous. It would have been so freaking ridiculous if Claire killed a wolf. And to say to know that you, a reader, did not like that scene, uh, it just makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel good knowing that I'm not the only crazy person that didn't want to see Claire killing a wolf. But for you, my love, you know the story just like Carol did. And she's watching it through the, the the little creaks and the little crevices through her fingers because she was so um, nuts about what was going to happen. Did you have the same experience? Did you feel the same way about it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know what's coming. You know that it's not good. You know that it's scary. It's frightening. So 100%. But now, my love, do you want to know what time it is? Is it labor time? No, I wish it was labor time. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's labor time. Dun, 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 dun. Labor time. Except it's not. 
That's what time it is. It's the outlandish theory of the week time. I got another one for you. You get a double whammy. I got a double whammy. Here Bring we go. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. Now, last episode, I said that Blackjack Randall is going to die. I don't see how anybody escapes without Blackjack Randall dying because there's no possible way that they can escape without his knowledge because he's going to be there the entire time. Now, I'm going to revise this statement. I'm going to say that I think the coups show up and it's a distraction for BJR. Like something happens where he gets distracted and maybe Sam or I'm sorry, uh, Jamie or maybe or Claire or Murtaugh or somebody who is in with the coups tries to kill Blackjack Randall and Blackjack Randall is not dead yet. He is injured and Mm. that is how they escape because Yes, while it would be nice for him to die, it, it would have been it would be great. I mean, it it would be cathartic as a viewer, it'd be cathartic as characters for him to die. I don't see them and I don't see Diana particularly getting rid of such a a, a great character as Blackjack Randall so early. This isn't Game of Thrones. They're not getting rid of uh spoiler alert spoiler alert, Ned Stark at the end of the season. This isn't gonna happen with him. So I think he's going to stay alive, but he's going to be injured, and that's how they escape. And then they escape. Uh, maybe maybe they go riding on the backs of coups on the way out. Who knows? But uh, I think in the end, he's going to be injured, not dead. And that is my outlandish theory of the week. Ooh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, yes, but I, I'm going to stick with that. But I'm going to take it even further now. Here we go. Ready? They're going to take Blackjack Randall with them. They're going to capture him. And they're going to, I'm not sure what they're going to do to him, but they're going to capture him and they're going to take them, uh, Blackjack Randall with them on the road to wherever they got to go to hold him as like maybe ransom or um, to just use him as leverage against the British. And that is how maybe uh, Jamie and Claire escape the country uh, without uh, the British knowledge. Yeah, I like this idea a lot. This, this is, uh, you know what? Ring the bell right away, right now. That is my outlandish theory of the week. They capture Blackjack Randall on the way out of Wentworth Prison. Oh, oh my God. I'm so freaking awesome. And that just came to me as I was talking. That, oh, wow. Whew. I got to, whew. Let that one just simmer a little bit. Let the ether accept it because that's coming true, baby. I, I got a feeling on that one. As a reminder, as always, guys, episode 27, this one you've just listened to of Outlander Cast, is brought to you by the tag Your It Etsy Shop. From Outlander inspired necklaces and rings to custom designs for birthdays or any occasion, every piece is created by Don, one letter at a time, and is, as always, one of a kind. So please take the time to visit Don at www.tagyourit.biz. That's B I Z. Tell her Mary and Blake sent you. And use the coupon code OutlanderCast15, all one word. For 15% off your purchase. And my love, as always, what am I going to say? Tag your mama, tag your pet, tag your it, whatever it is. That a girl. We want to always give thanks to those of you who write us a review on iTunes. Of course, you can head on over to iTunes and on your computer and search for Outlander. You'll see our podcast come up. So today, we wanted to thank cmelch4994. 
Seamount said, Mary and Blake rock. Hey, now. I, I love Mary and Blake. They have such a fresh, funny, entertaining way to talk about Outlander. Blake is great, is a true New Englander. He says what he means and doesn't mince words. That's right. He is hysterical, and the way Mary puts up with his shenanigans is priceless. <laughs> I know. Just a fun couple and a fun way to get into Outlander. So thank you so much, C. Melch. My boy's wicked smart. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. C. C is the letter. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're a boy, my girl's wicked smart. How's that sound? <laughs> Whoever C. Melch is. Either way, you're wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> there you go, C. Melch. <laughs> Well, everyone, we are going to be really looking forward to hearing from you about the next episode, which is the finale. So please make sure that you tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. Our handles for all of them are OutlanderCast. Heck, we might even have another listener feedback episode. I mean, I it, think it, we most certainly will. I, I got a feeling that everyone's going to want to hear this or, and talk about it. So why not? Let's do it. I love Free Outlander. It's great. Well, and if you have any questions about other ways to reach us or if you want to be on the listener feedback with the voicemail, head on over to OutlanderCast.com. And if you like the email machine, you can get us at OutlanderCast at gmail.com. And my love, I got to tell you, I'm ready. I'm freaking pumped. I'm jacked. I'm excited. I started off this episode pumped, and I'm ending it wicked pumped. Let's go, baby. It's the finale time. It's the finale. We've got this. <laughs> In the meantime, my name is Blake. My name is Mary. And you've been listening to an episode full of listener feedback of Outlander Cast.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.